Okay. Okay. That feels natural now. Good. Now you can clap. All right. Hi, everybody. Please don't clap. <laughs> My name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a father of two daughters, six years old and three years old. Uh, my name is Mark Jackett. I'm a father of twin boy toddlers. We're the co-hosts of a podcast called Modern Dadhood, uh, which we like to say is an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a parent uh, in this moment. That's right. And we're actually recording the Q&A coming up, and we'll be using a portion of it in an upcoming episode of Modern Dadhood. So what do you think about doing a giant, enormous round of applause so everybody can hear themselves when the episode (laughs) comes out? Can you do that? Okay, all right. Yeah, a packed house. Packed house. To, to the guy who wooed in the front, you'll see me later for your $5. Okay. We're thrilled to be here hosting a question and answer session with one of the original comic artists for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man by the name of Steve, Steve Levine. And we'd Levine love to welcome him here. out right now. Please come Steve? up, Steve Levine. I'm going to put this down so we can set the stage. None of this has been awkward so far, so that's good. It's nice to have you here. Yeah. Nice being here in this, this living room. Put this down. Is it okay to put my feet on the table? Um, it's not my table, so yeah, you may. Go for no, it. No, it looks like he's putting stuff out, so. So nostalgia is a big part of our podcast, Modern Dadhood, both in that we talk a lot about the things that we enjoyed when we were kids and the branding and the graphics that we use for the podcast. Uh, Mark and I, like we said, are both dads. In fact, my six-year-old daughter is here experiencing Ninja Turtles for the first time. We're both excited to be able to pass on the things that we loved growing up to our children. There are other folks in here who are turning their kids on to the Turtles for the first time today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So, um, Steve. Yes. Did I pronounce that right? It is. That's correct. (laughs) Whew. It's a silent G at the beginning that throws it's going off. so well. Yes, Steve. It's going mm. so well. Good. Steve, did you ever think that 30, 30-something 30 years 30, ago, yeah. uh, when you first started sketching some turtles with your buds, that you'd be in front of a, like, a literally packed room full of people uh, still stoked about this and still fans of this and turning it on to their kids? Did you think this was going to be a thing? Oh, yeah. That was our game plan, you know, to... <laughs> Figured this exact date, I'd be in Portsmouth watching a movie about the turtles. So worked out nicely. No, I mean, if we did, we were stupid to think that way. You know, I mean, at the, in the early days, it was, you know, the ramen noodles, Kraft macaroni and cheese years. Oh, and uh, Delicious. You know, it, you just don't think that way. It's just yeah. not, in the, not in the wheelhouse. Yeah. By the way, there is another microphone. Is there another microphone going around? Nate's out there with another microphone, and we would love to encourage... Any of you to ask questions that you have for Steve uh, in, yeah. over the next 15 or 20 minutes. There's hands going up. I can see him. Oh, oh, oh. Hello. This is awesome. Glad I could make it for it. <laughs> um, I did read somewhere, inspiration-wise, when it came to characters, uh, you are the inspiration for Michelangelo, probably one of the more popular characters, I would say, out of that whole bit. <laughs> Everybody or mine, has their favorites. Least. Everybody has their favorites. Right. Inspiration for the others, was that buddies and friends and things like that as well? You know, it's so funny. I mean, I, the, the Michelangelo thing, I always joke it's my hairline, but I don't know if that's the only reason. 
you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of personalities got in. Kevin and Pete, everybody's, you know, we inevitably, you know, all the stupid stuff that flies out of people's faces end up on the pages. Um, and I think personality-wise, you know, Pete's a little Donatello, Kevin's a little Raphael, and the two combined kind of make a nice Leo. And I, I ended up with Michelangelo, which I'm very happy with. We've actually brought some nunchucks, and we're hoping that you'll I, I will definitely, and I, I'll skateboard while I do it. Fantastic. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> great question. That's a great question. Is anybody else queued up? I was wondering, uh, especially with uh, today's explosion of comics into the big screen and whatever, when you first saw this movie, what was your impression of it, seeing the artwork on the big screen? We just assumed it was going to win every Academy Award. And no, uh, it, it was mind blowing. I mean, for us, you know, I, I speak for Kevin and Pete because they're not here, but, um, you know, we've been working on the books, and Steve Barron, who directed the movie, actually took all the early books and kind of tore pages out and put them up on a cork board. And then him and Bobby Herbeck, who wrote the, co wrote the movie, um, kind of filled in. So, they were taking scenes, and there was a lot of scenes that um, were filmed for this movie that didn't make the cut that we, you know, saw later on, and it was just like, oh, that was directly from... But it was very cool to kind of see the movie that way, because it wasn't, like you say, there wasn't a lot of superhero stuff or even comic book stuff that was prominent. You know, they were kind of the uh, movies, you know, uh, you might see at the drive-in, let's say, at that time, so. I have a selfless question to ask. What was it? I heard that you got to work with Jim Henson or meet him on set? Is we got correct? to meet him on set. Actually, um, when uh, the, the fight scene with Casey and Raphael, that was in a park. We were down in North Carolina and, um, you know, his son, Brian, was the second unit director. So he did a lot of the, um, you know, stuff with Muppets involved, you know, with Splinter and stuff, but also did a lot of the fight stuff. Um, so we happened to, we were down for about a week while they were shooting. So we saw a few things being filmed and that was one of them. And Jim Henson was coming down to see his son direct that night. So we were all kind of milling around and you hear a little rumbling behind us. And all of a sudden, you know, literally coming up behind you is Jim Henson. And he says, hello. And all of us go, hello, hello, sir. Hello. Oh, my voice doesn't usually do. You know, I mean, you can't, it's Jim Henson. You know, you couldn't, know. couldn't help it. You hear Kermit say hello to you. And then <laughs> you can't get words out of your mouth, you know, yeah. because it's Jim Henson. Um, and the cool thing, uh, you know, because it was Henson's Creature Shop, uh, we, were, we were going to London for a Comic-Con mm-hmm. a couple months later. And they had said, if you're ever in London, and we were like, we're going to London. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got to actually go to see their Creature Shop, you know, and at the time they were doing the show Dinosaurs. And oh so they gosh. had the big brontosaurus oh, neck whoa. and the baby, and you know, not that mama was yeah. being sculpted over here. We will not be screening that class, show right? here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my God. So do you just show up at the door and say, Jim sent? sent uh, no, no, that was the other weird thing was uh, that we actually met him at a coffee shop. And, uh, you know, we're in London. We don't have any working knowledge of the city other than that's Big Ben. <laughs> so they pick us up at the at this coffee shop and we all pile into this, you know, multi-person van. And then they proceed to put blindfolds on us. And then they drove us around. Well, and as it turns out, you know, the creature shop, you wouldn't be able to find it. It, it, It's in the middle of a bunch of these old brownstone buildings. And you go into the entryway, and it looks like any other one. Once you open up the door, they had gutted the entire building, and that's where the creature shop was. Downstairs was Muppet Town. Every fur, every googly eye, everything you wanted was downstairs to make a Muppet. And then all the stuff being sculpted was upstairs. It was really cool. Oh, my God. 
When you started drawing uh, like full time as a as a profession as a career, um, what did your family think about that? Especially given <laughs> that you were drawing teenage turtles that were eating pizza and fighting people. Well, you know, it's so, it, it's funny. Uh, when I first started, I had a you know good job. I, I again mentioned I, I went from kind of high school, couple of years of work to then. You know, Kevin and Pete starting the Turtles and Kevin asking me to join on. Uh, so my parents hated me. Um, they thought I was an idiot. And they knew Kevin. They knew Kevin because we went to high school together. And, and for a lot of times, I think all our friends thought the same thing. You know, we'd come home to visit and they'd say, hey, what you guys doing? Well, hey, we're working on comics. And they were like, awesome, you know, Batman, Spider-Man. And we'd go, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and they'd kind of pat us on the back. Oh, good for you. Good luck. Good, good. Oh, and we're so happy for you. And now, of course, now you just say turtles and everybody knows what you're talking about when you refer to it. So, yeah, my parents weren't happy, but pretty quickly that turned around. You know, I mean... They were happy I was doing what I wanted to do, but like all good parents, they wanted me to make more money. Be a Teenage Mutant Ninja lawyer instead? <laughs> yes, or Teenage Mutant Doctor, whatever. Oh, right, right, right. Got it. So I know that you have three children, is that right? I do. So what was life like for your kids when they were at prime turtle-loving age? Uh, they hated the turtles. They liked Batman and Spider-Man Boo. and all the Disney stuff. Well, my daughter was, you know, of course, Disney. She liked all that stuff. My two boys, one chose Batman. Do you think DC was paying him? Yeah, they were. I think well, you know, Marvel and DC were trying to infiltrate us. Um, Psst, kid, come here. But I used to give my boys a hard time. I was telling you guys earlier that, um, you know, of course, they had turtle toys. And when they do the and, and our daughter, too, would do their chores. They had a choice of, you know, some money for your piggy bank or turtle toy. Inevitably, nine times out of ten to be a toy. But, like, the turtle van ended up being Batman and Spider-Man's vehicle. And I made a point that if there's a, those two are in it, there has to be at least one turtle in the van at all times. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, we're going to move over to our practical portion. You can just give us like a couple minutes. We're going to be passing out. Um, some. Dads, this episode was recorded just prior to social distancing and before events started being canceled and postponed. Mark and I were lucky to get a chance to catch up with Steve Levine in the green room at 3S Art Space for a short conversation about this wonderful feeling of nostalgia that we all seem to be chasing as dads. I love nostalgia. I mean, it's it, now it's my career, you know, I mean, it's kind of uh, Comic Cons are um, they're half nostalgia, half, you know, uh, Jason Momoa's, you know, so, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, that's the, the funny thing is, you know, like, you you know, You'll see him walk by, and yet, you know, people are here for me. So it's right. a it's a very weird world, but it's nice, and I really like it, you know. And it's, like I mentioned uh, before, the Turtle fans are, I mean, probably one of the most incredible fandoms, truly. They really are. I mean, we've uh, tens of thousands of people in, you know, two fingers, I can tell you, people that I never want to talk to again. What was your, as a child, what was your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Wow. Uh, I didn't... Mm, Really have one. I mean, uh, I think it was a different time. You know, there wasn't mm. something on 20, like, all week long. So we lived for a Saturday morning, what yeah. would come on. Um, boy, it's really hard to say. I mean, nothing. I mean, I liked Hanna-Barbera. That was kind of my, oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, that's where I probably would have wound up if I didn't wind up doing what I'm doing is yeah. animation. Is that where you think you got the spark? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I those. lived for Saturday mornings, you know, swore up and down when it was Sunday evening when Disney came on and it was an animal show for me, you know, that's funny that, that age, we didn't have it all the time. Like, you know, 
you guys grew up with, yeah. you know, cable wasn't around. Right. We had three channels. Barely lived. Barely yeah. survived. It's like radio. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. It's basically radio. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, I read a an interview with you where you said something to the effect of, I see 28-year-old men revert back to childhood when they come into my space and see all of the memorabilia. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a, a comic book shop in, in our town, Wells, um, for about four years, maybe five, I think. So I would get the occasional... Uh, first guy coming in the door, like, oh, wow, wow, so cool. Next guy coming in a little louder. By the third guy, they're screaming like a little kid. And I used to joke, like, I know what you were like as an eight-year-old child because you're 28 and you're walking, you're running around screaming like that. And like, exactly, exactly what I was. Is that strange to you considering the turtles have been a constant in your life since the late 80s, early 90s? It was, yeah, mid early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah, I, was, I started in 85. On the turtles, so yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So yeah. every day you are thinking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and a lot of the people who are coming to events like this, screenings, introducing their children to it for the first time, spent so much time with it when they were kids, have had decades without it, and now are feeling these nostalgic feelings as they're introducing Everybody their Everybody buys back their childhood. You know, I mean, as you hit about 30, you get a little extra expendable income, I did. We all did. Went and found those toys our parents wouldn't get us, and now they're in my studio. Um, Take that, mom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Told you I would get it. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it's very bizarre. I mean, for me, I I, you know, like you say, thinking about the shows, it's it doesn't even it's not even part of the process. I mean, it's weird. You know, weird to me is still at times. I mean, I remember the first time. I, you know, the turtles had come on, the cartoon was out and all of a sudden they were on jeopardy as a question. Me and Kevin oh, were living wow. together in an apartment before we had wives and, um, it just blew our mind. You would have thought that was the coolest thing in the world. You know, Oh my God, that's a question on jeopardy. That's when those things really hit us weird. Um, and now it's just bizarre. It just seems normal, but also at times weird. There's a new version of the turtles now and I have to defend it to all the old turtle fans and have, tell them it's not for you, it's for people this right. tall, you right. know, you're not allowed on this ride type of a thing. Um, but, you know, so it, it's and now that Viacom owns them, they're, they're around forever. Yeah. You know, they're a forever property, which is but things coming, bizarre. Things coming back like that in new forms, it really just gives you the opportunity as a, well, I'll say me, somebody who's 38 years old, the opportunity. That's, that's an in for us, those of us who are now parents, who have kids of our own, they're excited about something like would our kids have been excited about something that we were excited about as kids if they didn't have their own version of that thing today? Do you know what I'm saying? So, so at least, yeah, yeah. It, at least it gets that spark for them going that you can then. It's an entry point. It's an entry point. It's an entry point, and then you well go. Put. But mine were cooler. Check yeah, out yeah, mine. They were way me, better than that new yeah. show you're watching. Let me show but you it, the original. Right, but it, you know, and again, that's that's just how you, everyone's brain works. I'm, I always go like, do you have you ever rewatched the cartoon? You know, it's like, uh, it's not that, you know, because we, we really didn't. I think we watched about the first week of the cartoon. The, the only time we actually paid attention to an episode is if we had a toy character that we created that was going to be in an episode, then we would get a you know, little bit of script approval and the look of the character because they would have to change it to simplify it for animation. So a lot of nostalgia is really about tapping into the joy and the passion that you felt at a previous time in your life. I have these really fond memories of playing with my friend Ted when we were kids with the action figures. And somehow, you know, we would play with these things all day long. And somehow 
we ended up dismembering some of them and burying them in his yard. So somewhere in Falmouth, Maine, there's a, a yard that <laughs> has arms and, legs. arms and legs of Leonardo and zombie Donatello. turtles buried in the ground. Exactly. Ted, if you're listening... Help us find the the body. Yeah, rescue. Well, we know, I, rescue the turtles. We know where please. they. Ted you know and exactly, I could, you still. You think he still knows? Where I they think are. he and I could uh, put our brains together and give some pretty precise coordinates. We we might go on a mission to dig these up. <laughs> there okay. you go. All right. Um, it must feel good to know that your creativity and your art accompanies, you know, or has promoted a lot of genuinely fun and imaginative times for young people. Yeah, it, it, that's the. Um, it's kind of the nice thing about the whole thing is uh, there's a whole generation now, but almost two generations, it feels like, of uh, up and coming, you know, young professional artists that are way better than at a skill level that we ever were or ever will be. Um, it always blows my mind. And I have people come up and, you know, thank me. And, and I'm like, for what? And they're like, you inspired me to become an artist. You inspired, and it's like, I didn't, I was having a blast. You know, I did what I loved. That's, that's all that, I was, that doing. was the wonderful thing. And, it, and maybe it came through, you know, I mean, we had a blast. It was a great work environment. Kevin and Pete being artists, you know, so they gave us freedom, you know, which is, I always joke, like, uh, they were very gracious. They let everybody play in the toy box, you know, like if you want to do a turtle story in your style, Sure, you go ahead and have fun with them. You know, they were always gracious that way. And that's not normal with a lot of properties or, or characters. So thank you so much, Steve Levine. We really appreciate having you. What a totally down to earth guy. He was. He was just a regular dude. Totally unsuspecting. You could walk by this guy on the street and would never think twice. Same with his wife, who was so nice. You would walk by them and never in a million years think that he was so instrumental in the Ninja Turtles from a very, like, from a very early stage. I just like that he genuinely likes it still, you know? He's he all about it. Yeah, he doesn't come across as being like, ugh, I still got to talk about this stuff. Um, and I think that was the thing I love the most about his wife is that she's into it too. She's just, she was excited to tell us about how they carry the artwork in their portfolios when they travel on a plane. She also showed us a, a photo of her on set for the live action movie with oh, some of the foot right. clan guys, like with their masks off, like on she lunch She had break. a foot clan. Yeah. She had a foot clan hood on. Yeah. They were super cool people. Great people, really great event. It was. Uh, I loved seeing the movie again. I loved having Sarah and our six-year-old daughter there to see it for the first time. And now she wants to know when she can watch it again. I did love seeing how many parents were in the audience with a kid. I think that really does speak to how we just became enamored with these characters as kids and truly are excited to to relive that. You know, and that that really is a, like all joking aside. That's really what nostalgia is. Right. It's it's the longing to revisit the feelings that you were having during whatever the nostalgic thing is. Yeah, it's funny. I was just something that's been making me feel like just nostalgic as heck lately are matchbox cars, Mm. Um, because my kids now have like, I don't know, I don't even know where they've gotten them from, but they've got they've got a bunch of little matchbox cars. And just this afternoon I was laying on the couch. One of them was laying on top of me playing with a sort of newish matchbox car. And he was just pouring over the thing, you know, turning it upside down and spinning each of the wheels and running his hand along the little grooves and stuff. But you know, all the details that are on it and it's painted and it's got numbers and letters and stuff on it. And I just, I was getting these 
I was just staring at him do this, you know, and I could have stared at him for, for hours if he wanted to sit there and do that. Cause I was just reveling in these thoughts of me at that. Well, maybe not quite that young, but when I was a kid, same thing, I would, I would spend hours just lining them up, looking at every little last detail of them. I mean, nothing else mattered in those moments at that age. I had my matchbox car, you know, I had my little fake garage that I made out of a shoebox and cut <laughs> holes in the side, you know, so you can, and just nothing else mattered, you know, not a care in the world besides just those matchbox cars at that moment. Isn't it funny that as parents, I feel like I spend, you know, so much of my time just basically more or less following my girls around the house and just putting the things away that they just play with and then drop. You know, we right. have this toy box that's full of dress up stuff. And every time one of the girls goes in, she's pulling everything out of it and it's all just on the mm-hmm. floor. And like, it doesn't take me long to clean up. I throw it right back in there. But now we just so carelessly just throw a toy or possession back wherever to get it out of the way. But when you're a kid, that thing has so much meaning and you just study it and invest so much of your time in just focusing on that thing. It's funny. I was looking at one of their toys earlier today cause we were outside playing and uh, one of my sons just getting too big for this like trike that we have. But I was looking at the trike and I was like, well, I can't wait to throw that, that thing in the garbage. Mm. And, but you know, now here I am thinking about it. Like what does it mean to him? Does it mean something more to him? And is that worth hanging on to it? It certainly means something to him now, but two thoughts around that. One, you could keep it and show it to him in 15 years or 20 years, and he might be like, oh, that is so nostalgic, and that did mean a lot to Mm -hmm. me. Or you could throw it away tomorrow, it disappears, you never think of it again, and he never thinks of it again, regardless of the meaning it had to him. We have so many toys from the girls and, you know, you just get more at every birthday and every holiday. And, you know, we try to like recycle stuff, you know, so we take stuff out of rotation, put it, put other stuff back in, but we never do it. And so now we just have like several big bins that are tucked away in storage that are all the old toys. And, and there's some really good stuff in there that like, I know have so much meaning to my girls, you know, at the time, but they don't even notice Mm -hmm. things are gone. They don't even notice. So as long as I can get past the, like, my sentimentality for it, that's the hard part because most of the time they don't even ever think about it again. Nostalgia, man. So I asked one of my favorite, not one of my favorite, it's by far my favorite dad group. I'm in a few dad groups on Facebook. I threw this out to them and I said, what are... What's something that you're nostalgic about from your own childhood that you are excited to share with your kids? And we got some pretty fun answers. You got so many comments on this. Um, I'm in this group too. Thanks to you. Thanks for the invite. Welcome. And I feel like this one really got, I mean, it got a lot of comments. I'm just scrolling through real fast to look at some of these. Should we read some of these off, man? Some of them are real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, let me read one here. Let me go right. Uh, the first one that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with here is from Adam Schrager. He said the original Transformers. I, yeah. I was never a Transformers guy, so you, you'll have to. Uh, uh, dude, that original. If he means the, the cartoon, if he means like the like Saturday morning Transformers cartoon, that was, that was the thing that made me say one day I hope they really that they make like a real movie of this. 
Um, a lot of people, a lot of people said Ninja Turtles on this list, which is awesome because I didn't indicate in my post that it had anything to do with our Ninja Turtles event or anything like that. So that's, that's funny to see. And it was definitely one for me as well that I'm very nostalgic for Legos, obviously. There's a person named Mitch McConnell who wrote in all caps Legos. This person has a fantastic name mm-hmm. and some good answers. Let's have it. Mac Randy says original Nintendo Totina's pizza rolls. Absolutely. Fun dip. Do you remember fun dip? <laughs> Do I remember tearing off the top, eating all the sugar and then sucking on the stick for about 40 minutes until it was gone. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. Fun dip is good stuff, man. Imagine a that. A too. solid sugar stick that you use to dip into powdered sugar and feed it into your mouth. I'm surprised that the package itself wasn't also made of sugar that you were supposed to eat. <laughs> you just put it on your tongue like acid and it just dissolves over time. It just slowly dissolves. I see I see a gif of Pee-wee here. Man, Pee-wee God, I loved that show. And I watched that first movie like so many times, but that movie was kind of dark. You know what I see a lot of star Wars. There is and a lot I know of star Wars. And I, when people, when somebody just writes star Wars, I know what they mean. They mean the seven, the 1970s, eighties original. Yeah. Trilogy, Anakin star Skywalker. Wars. Yes. Lucas Skullwalker. <laughs> I see. Oh, I, oh, and I see that you reacted back to this one. I, I, uh, the middle finger uh, emoji. <laughs> what was my reaction? No, no um, a person by the name of Ian Chapman said, among other things, Thundercats. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember, uh, admittedly, I don't remember a ton about Thundercats except for that I watched Thundercats a lot. Was one of them called Lion O? Yeah. They had really like hokey names. I don't remember all the names. Some of these people's answers are are nice, um, not about necessarily a, a thing. For example, Dan Magnolia says riding our bikes without supervision or helmets for miles in any direction until dark. Yes, totally. I love that answer. Totally. I'm going to give that a like right now. We used to just cruise around the neighborhood. There was a hill in my neighborhood when there was a house at the bottom and we used to ghost ride our bikes down the hill. Like you, you set it up at the top in the center and let it go and see how far before it either falls over or goes off the driveway. Uh-huh. The people who lived there didn't love that we were doing that, you know, I towards their house and down their driveway. But what are you going to do? You know, just get that one life to live, man. Um, Andrew Conkling, who um, is one of the moderators in this group. Did I did I say too much? Oh, no. He said in his response, uh, talking about he was talking about camping. Mm. I totally get that. I didn't do much camping growing up until, you know, high school, maybe with with friends. But now we camp. We love camping. And it's something that I am excited to do with our girls. Yeah, I didn't do any camping either um, as a kid. But that is also something that I would really like to do with our kids because I can I can just I guess I can see that value there, too. Like. I want to like, you know, play cards by like flashlight in a little tent, even in the backyard. Do you know what I mean? Like just, I want to, I want to sort of engineer that picturesque kind of back to basics, I suppose, kind of way of having fun with your family. It's interesting that you say that because you use the word manufacturing 
Like and well, I said engineering, but yeah, yeah. Engineering this picturesque thing. Isn't it mm-hmm. funny that we have to think about experiences that we had growing up? We want to recreate them from our kids, but we have to go out of our way to like dial it in just right when mm-hmm. Your dad wouldn't have been thinking of it that way, that it just was what it was. True. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you can't you can't repeat something and expect the same results either. What taught me that was Groundhog Day when he tries to have the same snowball fight with the kids in the park when he's walking with the girl. But he has that really great walk and it's like very genuine and they have a great time. And then, of course, you know. He wakes up the next morning and then he tries to do the same thing in the exact same way. He ends up getting slapped mm-hmm, by her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Duke had, had one that was similar to what we were speaking about playing outside without adults. Peter Duke also says the Goonies and Princess Bride. Both great films. Which, I'll go on record as saying Princess Bride. This is me going on officially on record. You have to keep this in the edit. The Princess Bride is the best film ever made Shut up shut up i don't even need to defend it as i know it's true i don't even but um, i don't know that it's even worth getting into best let's just made. let's just leave it i i enjoy princess bride a lot it's it's mm-hmm. great i disagree though oh it's actually the greatest film ever made and if you agree with me go ahead and write in to hey at modern dadhood.com to just say mark I agree with you. And if you um, think that that is a, the most absurd claim you've ever heard, feel free to email us at hey, H-E-Y at moderndadhood.com. Let us know that. But, you know, I, yeah, I really want to share movies like that with my kids. And I'm just so afraid that they're going to hate them. Yeah, I know what you're afraid of, that they get 10 minutes into it. Like my three-year-old with uh, Tiny Toon Adventures this morning on Disney Plus. She, you know, watch it a little bit. Then she said, I don't want to watch this anymore. It's the pacing. Pacing was so different for kids, quote unquote, kids things when we were kids than it is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole pace of the world is different, I suppose, right? You just can get things whenever you want them. But I don't know. Storytelling was like a, I don't know. The Goonies has, you know, remember how long the intro to Goonies was? It took a long time for them to tell any story in those movies. Yeah, it 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 they introduce each character one by one. You really get to learn the you know, the ins and outs of each one of those characters before you get to the main part of the story. I feel like there's so many movies I watch now where I'm just like 10 minutes in and I'm like knee deep in a story already and I'm mm-hmm. like I don't even give a shit about this character. Like I don't even know their name. Uh, Matthew and Ian both talking about Sesame Street. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, it's changed. It's changed a lot. Sesame Street on HBO is a lot different than what I grew up on, but it has enough of that spirit that, yeah, absolutely. And I can always show my girls the, the old stuff too, and I do. Ah, nostalgia. Dads who are nostalgic for things, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. We'd love it if you head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button. Boy, we would love that. And if you're feeling up to it, leave us a review, maybe a rating. Those things go a long way for us and uh, they really help us uh, get on the, uh, the old radar for everybody else. And you know what else we would love? Could you just tell your friends, tell your friends about us, tell your dad friends, tell your mom friends, tell your friends, moms, 
We said it earlier, but you can email us anytime at hey, H-E-Y, at moderndadhood.com. We love hearing from you. We do actually respond. Music done by Casper Baby Pants, as well as Spencer Albee and Bubby Lewis. Thanks to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for making mm-hmm. us sound awesome. And thanks to Nick Rose. Nick Rose, our intern, also an accomplished painter. Intern fact. And also, thank you so much. See you around the mulberry bush. Mulberry bush.